joke, okay? Um, yeah, I was joking with some people, you know, so come tonight because it's going to be amazing. You know, the, the blind will walk, the lame will see. You'll see God at work like you've never seen before. <laughs> and obviously, pay attention to what I said. The lame will see, the blind will walk. Obviously, he already, they are a walker. There's no miracle there, okay? So the joke is around this line. Uh, there was a church, and they were very famous for miracles, okay? They, they just had miracles happening all over the place. So the pastor was really excited about this evening, and, and he was talking about all the things that God would do. Said, Tonight's a, is a night of miracles. God will do amazing things like he's been doing. And I, I want you to, to really encounter God tonight. And then the church is going crazy. Yeah, amen, amen, hallelujah. God's going to do miracles, you know? And then he just picked somebody out of the crowd, you know? It's like, Brother John. Brother John has had a speech problem ever since he was born. And he's been among us all his life with this problem. Do we believe God has got a miracle or what? Hey, man, jo Brother John, go behind the curtain. We're going to pray for you. You're going to leave here healed tonight. And everybody's going crazy, you know. And then he's like, uh, Brother Michael. Brother Michael's been a, a, a crippled since birth. He's always used crutches. Brother Michael, go behind the curtain. You're going to walk tonight, you know. And everybody's going crazy. Oh, hey, man, man. So then they start praying, and they go, Brother Michael, throw the first crutch over the, over the, uh, the curtain. <laughs> and then everybody's like, oh. Brother Michael, throw the second crutch over the Oh. Brother John, say something. The, the, the crippled fell. <laughs> so... <laughs> so <laughs> God can heal, but that night, <laughs> it's just a joke, you know, like, I, obviously, <laughs> we believe in our God of miracles, but just to make you laugh a bit. Today, I'm not talking about healing. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I mean, I guess not in that sense anyways, but uh, today, we're t the title of today's sermon message is X-Ray Vision, and I did that on purpose to make you wonder and to make you think about this. So, what in the world? X-ray vision. How do we get X-ray vision? What does that mean? Why do we have to have it? So w we'll get to that. But I wanted to tell you first. I'm going to get used to messing with this thing a bit. But I want to tell you first about uh, what we must do to be, what do we need to be successful? Okay. So what, answer back to me. What is one key thing you need to be successful? Now, I mean, there's all kinds of different success. But what is one key element that we all need to be successful? Can you think of one? Like for you individually to be successful, not like, I mean, I guess you could put it in other contexts. But the thing that I, I, one of the first things, obviously we are all Christians and we are in church and we're like, well, we need God. Of course we need God. That's the Sunday school answer. But I want you to tell me, uh, besides that, one thing you need practical is you need to believe in yourself. You know, and nothing happens and nothing will happen in our church, obviously, first without God's leadership and without God's uh, blessing on us and all that. But if we are seeking God, we have that because we're seeking God, we're praying, so we'll have his leadership. Nobody cares more about the church than himself. But if we have a leadership team that doesn't believe in themselves, nothing happens without leadership. Nothing happens without somebody taking on people to where you want to go. You know, otherwise we just, we're, nothing happens. So we have to believe in ourselves. But what do we do 
uh, when, when no one believes in us, not even ourselves. Because if you don't believe in yourself, who will? Imagine if you woke up this morning before you came to church, and then you look in the mirror, I hate you. You know, why are you so ugly? Oh my gosh. I wish I didn't have to see you. And then you come, how, how would you come arrive at church? You know, like, are you believing yourself? Would you dress nice? Would you put your best clothes? Would you brush your hair nice? Would you put a perfume, all this stuff? Like, how would you, like, how confident would you be about yourself? Probably not very much, you know. And then, uh, but who will take a chance on you if you're not even taking a chance on yourself? But I have something to tell you, some good news. That, you know, one thing is if you continue to believe in yourself, uh, eventually you might find somebody crazy enough <laughs> that will believe in yourself with you, <laughs> okay? You might be able to influence somebody in that. But if you can't do that, I have even better news. That even when you don't believe in yourself, God believes in you. Like God paid the ultimate price for you. We just sang about that. He gave Jesus his life, his, his only son, his best for us. He did it for each one of you. So it doesn't matter if you don't believe in yourself. It doesn't matter that you don't like what you see in the mirror. God likes what he sees. He's not seeing what he, you are today. He's seeing what he's going to do when he's through with you. So God can do amazing things. And even when no one else believes in us, he's always, there's always someone who believes in you. That's God. And I want to uh, teach you a little bit about that today. First, I want to talk to you about some success, successful people you know that you didn't, maybe you didn't know he's their failure. So one of the persons is Walt Disney. Everybody knows Walt Disney, right? Uh, in, in 1919, he was fired from Kansas City Star newspaper, okay? And this is why he was fired. His editor told him this. Remember, Walt Disney, okay? His editor said, listen, you can't work anymore. You're fired because you lack imagination. You have no good ideas. <laughs> he told that to Walt Disney. <laughs> Could you imagine what a fool he feels now? <laughs> so you got no imagination and you have no good ideas. Later, uh, Walt Disney bought an animation studio called Laughogram. Okay, he bought this uh, with his brother. So you see, he influenced some crazy guy that believed in him. But which he led, they both led to bankruptcy. So they, <laughs> they bankrupted Laughogram. Then after that, him and his brother moved to Hollywood where they started producing a series of successful cartoons, something to do with a mouse, you know. And then <laughs> you know where everything went from there. Uh, someone else you may know is J.K. Rowling. Everybody knows J.K. Rowling? She's one of yours, British, the writer of Harry Potter, okay. She used to work for a company, and she was often caught writing about this little boy that she said would be a wizard, and she was writing during her work time. So she got fired. Her boss got fed up. Like, Listen, you can't write during work about this foolish thing, about this wizard boy that you have here, Harry Potter. You just can't have it. You're gone. And then she had a severance pay from that. And she invested. And she's like, okay, I'm going to stay home and write my books. And she's the best-selling author of history in England. <laughs> you know, like we may not agree with her books, but she sold all these books because she believed in herself when no one else would. Uh, one other guy, he's, he's one of my favorite actors, Sylvester Stallone. I grew up watching Rocky and Rambo and these things, so he, he's, he's had an influence on me. You can see by my physique, you know. Uh, <laughs> so Stallone left university 
uh, in New York, okay? So he, he left university, he was in Florida, he left university, went to New York. And he was cleaning cages for our zoo. He was picking up lion stuff, you know, <laughs> in a zoo. And things got so bad that he had to sell his dog to pay a few bills. Can you imagine? He's, he, he had to sell his dog to pay a, a certain amount of bills. And then one night, he, he had this idea, and he wrote just on regular piece of paper, one paper after another. He stayed all night long writing about an underdog boxer called Rocky, okay? And then he took his, his script, you know, like that mess, and he took it to a, to a studio. And they loved the idea. And they said, listen, we'll buy it off of you for $300,000. Could you imagine this in 1975? This guy who just sold his dog to pay some bills. And he's like, no, no, it's not for sale, not like that. I'll sell it to you if I can be the star. You know, if I can be Rocky, if I can be the main character, the main role, I'll sell it to you. And then you're crazy. You're, who, who are you? You know, we want to put somebody famous, somebody who's known. Then no chance. So they turned them away. Eventually, remember that I said, if you keep consistent, somebody will buy into your crazy idea. MGM bought his idea, and they allowed him to do it. You know, and Rocky won three Oscars, you know, best picture, uh, best director, best uh, uh, film editing. And Stallone was up for best actor and best uh, sc screenwriter. So, uh, and you know the story from there. You got, I don't know how many Rockies and now the Creed movies and, and all the Rambos and all the other things he's done. So do you see, uh, these guys, somebody told them you're no good. Somebody said, no chance. But they continued. They, they kept persevering and, and I, the reason I want to show you this is because we were going to talk about uh, certain things in your life that you need to have this mentality now like I said when no one believes in you not even yourself God believes in you so I want you to, to show you a, a, a thing about some visual examples of s things we need to see we all see things in a particular way and God sees us in a particular way and God sees situation in a particular way like, I see this place today, and I see us in the new building, which is, you can see here on the wall. Every time I see this building, I don't see these pictures. I see myself walking in the building. I see a student center with a gym. I see students going in and out. I see student ministry, all these Bradford students coming in. I see children's ministry doing things that we never even imagined. I see these things. They're in my head, you know, because nothing happens before it happened in your brain first, right? You have to envision it. So, look, we have a, a good crowd today, you know, but we still have empty seats. So I'm, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm speaking to a crowd, you know, like next, next week people might not be able to, to sit here. You know, you have to come early next week. You might not have a seat. So anyways, I want to show you something just to, to clarify some things. What do I have here? Can somebody describe this cup for me? Oh, have a godly man in the house. A half full glass. Somebody might, I'm sure somebody in the room might have been thinking, it's half empty. So I'm, I'm thirsty. I want that glass, you know. <laughs> so we got, let me put this somewhere else. Uh, we have a half, half full glass. Good. What do you see here? You see a black dot. A piece of paper with a black dot. Good. These are all good answers. But do you, have you noticed that some people see you exactly like this paper? For example, how much of the paper is white? If you say in a percentage, we would say, what, 98% maybe? 98%? You can do things right 98% of the time. 
but people will just see the black dot in you. They'll judge you by your mistake. They'll judge you by your sin. Uh, some people, when they come to church, when you talk about tithes and offering, they'll say, oh, but I'm 98% faithful to God in my tithes. Okay, would you like to have a 98% faithful wife? <laughs> so, you know, we, it just takes into perspective, doesn't it? But we don't want to be these kind of people that only see the black dot, okay? We are God's body, right? We are the church. If we're his body, we have to reach out. We have to do things. So how are we seeing people in our ministry? How are we seeing people around Bradford? How do we see people when we're not in church? How do we see our brothers and sisters? Are we seeing just black dots? Or are we seeing what God's going to do with them? How are you seeing things in your situation? I, I'm guilty of this too. I'm preaching for myself. Sometimes when I see situations in my family that things aren't changing, or people that I love that are just kind of went astray from God and just made some bad decisions, we tend to just see their mistake over and over. And we're not seeing what God's going to do when, they're through, when God is through that person. We, we don't believe it. We just see the situation, oh, just bad choice, and it's in a rut. If she was doing this, this, and this, God would be doing this, and this, and this. But God sees the outcome, so we need to be able to see that. And uh, one last thing is I'd like some, just like a, a volunteer, just to come look at something here. You're, not you're just going to answer something. I just want you to look at my hand for a second. So any volunteer who can go? Come on, Louis. <laughs> Louis, look at my hand and tell me what you see. Just my hand, not cover the watch. So just my hand. Veins in a ring. Veins in a ring, good. What is in the ring? A diamond. Yeah, it's small. <laughs> 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 but there is a diamond, isn't it? Yeah. Now look, some people, he might have, he might, he could have focused. Like, oh, your nails should have been trimmed better. You know, your, you got, you know, your hands are, are pale or whatever. But he did see the gold ring, you know, and he did see the diamond. And I want to show you things you can see. Uh, I want to show you how God sees us. Like there's a hidden diamond in each of us. There's something that God, that's there. It might be small, but it's worthy. It was worth a lot. It, wor it was worth his life. It, he's he's going to do something. It's going to shine. So I want you to be able to see that. And we need to be able to see that in situations and people ourselves. So today's encounter is about how Jesus sees this kind of things. And... Uh, like I said, we tend to see people in a particular way, and most of the time, if we're not careful, we can see people in a very negative way. For example, if you describe somebody, who are you talking about? Oh, that bald guy in the back. He's like, oh, which one? That fat guy, that, f that big fat guy, that one with the huge nose. You know, we just <laughs> we tend that you know we tend to just say the negative things. We don't say like the qualities the person has. You know, uh, so I want to tell you a quick story. Just to get you thinking in the, this mindset, and then we're going to go to, to Scripture. Uh, the Scripture today is uh, Mark chapter 5, okay, uh, verse 1 through 20. And I'll read that through, but while you're opening, I'll tell you the story. Basically, the story, uh, I, I wrote this short story just to kind of teach young people about how they need to see things and how they need to, to react in situations. So I like to teach young people about this. But there was a, a businessman an older gentleman, maybe in his late 50s or so, and there was a y younger businessman with him. The businessman, the older one, he was dressed in like a really nice suit, like Hugo Boss style, you know, really, really nice, and very posh and very trimmed. And the young man was dressed nice as well. He had a jacket, 
he had an, a shirt, but he didn't have a tie on. He still had jeans. He had nice shoes, but he, it seemed like a, a younger version of this older man. And from the story, it seems like they're father and son. And they were waiting on this keynote speaker, this really, really big guy that was coming for this conference they were having, they were hosting. So this man comes to speak in their conference, and he's bringing just a briefcase, you know, it's just a small briefcase he's carrying. As soon as he c walks out, the young man, the younger man, goes and starts grabbing his briefcase and says, Hi, so I'm so glad you're here. Let me carry your bag for you. Uh, he's like, no, no, it's, it's all right. I, I can carry it. I just have this bag. It's fine. You know, I'll, I'm leaving the conference and just flying back. It's okay. I can carry it. He's like, no, please. I want to carry it. It'll be a pleasure to carry your, your briefcase. And then the guy stops and looks at him and said, really? Why, why would it be a pleasure? A lot of people say this kind of things, but why would it be a pleasure for you to carry my briefcase? And then they kept walking and, and speaking. So he goes, sir, I noticed that you don't have any other bag, just this briefcase, correct? He said, yes. And I noticed that you're, you're carrying that. So I'm assuming there are things in there that you're going to use today. And he's like, yes, that's correct. And he said, and since you just bought this thing, out of anything else, I'm assuming whatever is in there is very important. He's like, yeah, that's right. So you will have this briefcase in all the rooms that you go in, all the meetings, everything you're doing today. Am I right? He's like, yeah, exactly. By carrying your briefcase, I've just got a VIP ticket to all your meetings, to how you're going to handle people, how you're going to speak to people, who you're going to speak to, all your conversation. I'll be able to observe, you know, front seat with a VIP ticket just for carrying your briefcase. So that is why it's a pleasure for me to carry a briefcase. <laughs> you see, he's seeing what no one else is seeing. Most young people today, they'll see the pastor carrying eight boxes. Hey, pastor, it must be heavy, huh? You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like yes, heavy, go help him, you know. <laughs> carry that for him. Uh, so we have to have this kind of mentality. And today I want to speak to you about the person who's got x-ray vision, who can see what no one else sees, and he sees situations like no one else does. And let's look at this situation together. This is in uh, uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 1. And we're going to carry on. So I'll just read my version is NIV. I don't know. That's NIV as well. All right. So I'll just read along so we can gain time, okay? Uh, they went across the lake to the region of the uh, Gerasenes, or some, some places say Gadarenes. I don't know which version that is. Uh, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Now pay attention to this. This guy is demon-possessed, and he came from the tombs. Okay? Uh, this man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with chains. For he had often been chained hand and foot. He but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons off his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Uh, when Jesus saw, saw him uh, from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them to send them out of this area, of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, Send us among the pigs, along, uh, allow us to go into them. 
he gave them the permission uh, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. They heard about 2,000 in number rushed down the steep hill, steep bank, in, into, the, in, in, into the lake and were drowned. Not even pigs want demons, you know. <laughs> they kill themselves. Those, those standing the flock, the pigs, uh, ran off and reported this in town, in, in the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen, seen it told the, the people who had, what had happened to the demon-possessed men and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting to the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, let, him, let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he had, has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the capolis how much Jesus had done for him. And the people were amazed. Now, I want you to pay attention to a few details here. Okay. First, just to make a, a parenthesis here. Last week, Bruce told about the rich young ruler. He was teaching about that. And now I was speaking to Bruce. I said, Bruce, this guy doesn't know the ch- opportunity he missed. Because Jesus said, go sell all your stuff. Give to the pure, come follow me. Who did Jesus say, come follow me to? Just the 12 disciples. This guy could have been the 13th. Imagine what this guy, what, what he could have become. Now this other guy, the demon-possessed guy, he, he gets the demon casted out. And he goes into the boat. He wants to go. But Jesus says, no, 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 you're not going. Go into your house and tell what great things the Lord has done for you. Uh, and then it says, look, another thing that I want you to remember. This word here, decapolis. So he, the man went away and began to tell in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. Decapolis is a region uh, close to Galilee uh, that is uh, a region of ten cities. That's Deca means ten. So Decapolis mean, in polis means city. So it's ten cities. So he was speaking in ten different cities, okay? Keep that in mind because we're going to get back to that later, okay? Yeah, in Galilee. Uh, East Galilee. East side, right? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, 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 east side, yeah. You're right, you're right. It's by the... The sea. I saw that this this week on the as I was studying. Um, so, anyways, so here here we go. Let's let's look at some of this. Uh, if you can keep the the verses on, if you can go back to verse one, we're gonna take a look at this closer. So, let me have you. Has anyone here ever seen a, a demon possessed man? Anyone? You have? Yeah, some of you. Uh, I have. In Brazil, it's more common. In South America and African countries, you see these things. I've cast it out demons myself i've seen it done and i've done it myself uh it's not a pretty picture <laughs> when you see things i've seen people that couldn't be bound you know like a woman with five six guys trying to hold it they wouldn't hold it you know it's too strong but when you come there and you say in the name of jesus it's done you know they have to obey immediately uh for uh, just to give you an example that the one of the experiences i had i was in a church service and i was and i was praying and as i was praying this lady uh, she just started going <laughs> in a man's voice, you know, and I, it kind of scared me because I wasn't expecting it, you know. And then I said, in Jesus' name, you are bounded. Get down on your knees. You are bound. As soon as I said it, she just fell. And she put her hands behind her back as if she was handcuffed, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of an amazing thing to see how powerful Jesus' name is in these practical situations. But I, I don't want to focus too much on that. I just want you to see that uh, the other day, a few years ago, before I moved to England, 
I was going to church to preach. We had a 8.30 in the morning service. And I went early in my, uh, because my kids and my wife, they were going to go to their later service in the evening. So I went by myself in the early service to preach. Uh, as I was driving, I left early in my house, and it was probably about, I would say about 7.30, 7.45 in the morning. Um, you know, on a Sunday morning, there's nothing in the street. Nobody was up, you know, it was just myself on the street. As I'm driving, this na- guy, naked, like Adam was made, you know, like <laughs> he didn't have socks, nothing, completely naked, just walks right in front of my car, walking like, I was like, am I still sleeping? You know, it's like, and I looked in the mirror, like, what's going on, you know? And later that guy was arrested and whatever. But it was just such a weird thing to see. So I'm just trying to make you picture this, like, this guy is demon possessed, you know, so uh, really strong. People putting chains on him, he's breaking. His voice is probably distorted. His eyes were probably distorted. All kinds of things going on. Completely naked, walking around the city, completely naked. How do you approach somebody? Let's say if you go home and you, as you're walking, there's a guy just naked in the street. Like, what do you do? Like, how, how do you react? You know? It's, it's just strange, isn't it? You don't, you don't, a lot of times we don't picture these things. And as Jesus walks out of the boat, this guy comes running at him and kneels down his feet, you know, and then Jesus has this encounter. But what would you see if you saw this man? And what did Jesus see in this man? Let's look at some of the things. We see in verse 3 that he lived in a tomb. I'm sure everybody's been to a cemetery or have seen a tomb. Like, would you like to live in one? <laughs> Could you imagine? You walk in the street, it's dark, and somebody comes out of the tomb, naked. You know? It's like this guy, everybody knows that's how he sees. But Jesus doesn't see that. He sees beyond that. He says, you know what? This guy, he doesn't demand much. He doesn't even have clothes. <laughs> you know? He has no luxuries. He lives in a tomb. He's not going to be very picky if I pick him for my team, you know? Number two, verse three, again, verse three, uh, uh, carrying on. So no one could bind him, not even with chains. I think Jesus sees this guy and says, you know what? Nothing will hold this guy back. I mean, nobody can bind him. What's going to hold this guy back when he's on my side, you know? Uh, Third point, he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons off his feet. Verse four, Jesus says, you know, I'm going to make this guy a chain breaker. This guy's going to break chains. I need people to set captives free to, to work on my, on my staff, you know, to work on my team. Uh, this guy, I'm going to use this guy to break people free from chains in their lives. Uh, four, no one was strong enough to subdue him. Verse 4b, the, su- the second part. So you know what? No one will subdue this guy. No one will overcome and nothing will stop this man when he's, when he's passionate about me. Uh, nothing will dominate this guy. Pornography is not going to dominate his mind. You know, uh, chains don't hold him. Money is not going to win him over. It's not any, just anything that's going to bind this guy. You know, uh, five, night and day, he cried out uh, and shouted. So I think Jesus might look at this guy and say, you know what? This guy won't shut up. Once this guy starts speaking about uh, what God is doing in my life, he's, he's going to be night and day shouting. He's going to be speaking. He's going to be telling about my love. Uh, he's, he's not going to stop. You know, he's going to be passionate. He's going to be telling the good news to everybody. He's shouting day and night. You know, uh, then it says again, he, 
he's shouting day and night, cutting himself with stones. So maybe he, you could see him and say, you know, this guy's not just a crybaby. He's not just going to get his feelings hurt for anything. He's not going to be uh, constantly uh, complaining about something or anything just get under his skin. This guy, was, if he's able to take cuts on his skin like that, he can endure a lot from my name, you know. Uh, and then the last thing, he says, when, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. So, you know, maybe, you know what? This guy knows his place. He doesn't have any trouble kneeling down before me, you know, surrendering, surrendering himself to me. He's quick to kneel before me. Vanity won't take hold of his heart. We're talking about a guy who was walking around naked, you know. Uh, he's going to be submissive to my leadership. He knows who I am. Because in verse 7, he says, Jesus, son of the living God, what do you want with me? So he sees who I am. He knows who I am. And I can use that, you know. And uh, I want you show, to show you a bit of the outcome. Obviously, the Bible doesn't say all these things that I said, okay. I'm trying to, to, to make you see what a potential that Jesus might have seen in this guy. You know, I'm not saying that he did see this, but I'm saying that I think Jesus sees us in that kind of vision. He sees what will become of us and not what everybody else is seeing immediately, you know. So just to, to show you the outcome of this man's encounter with Jesus. Like I said, he had an encounter. Jesus tells the, the demons to leave. Later on, we see him in his right mind, well-dressed, hair brushed, you know, brushed teeth, perfume maybe, you know, who knows. He's, he's sitting there. And people are like, that's the guy, the naked guy from the tomb. He's here, calm, dressed nice, smelling good, you know, shaved, sitting here listening to Jesus, wanting to follow him. That's him. Like, that's the guy. I mean, that's the guy, you know. And obviously the people didn't have x-ray vision because what are they worried about? They said, Jesus, leave. You just killed 2,000 pigs. That's our pig, you know. Who's going to pay for my pig, you know. They're not worried about the guy in the transformation. And don't we do that a lot of times? Oh, this guy starts coming, he's going to take my place. This guy starts coming. Now, you know, because of his miracle, my, I had to wait in line. Because of that visit, the pastor didn't come to my house. Because of that problem, now, I'm, you know, people forgot about me or whatever. You know, so many times we, are, we're, we're, we don't celebrate what Jesus is doing in somebody else's life, just if it happens to us. And if it costs us 2,000 pig, oh, he's not worth that much. But Jesus said there's joy in heaven. There's party in heaven when somebody surrenders. How, 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 mu how much is one person's life worth, right? Bruce, you're, yourself, Bruce, you came from Real Hope, right? Imagine if we didn't have that ministry. <laughs> it may not affect you, but it changed the whole generation. His kids will be raised in church, you know. Who, what will become of... His descendants. It's a miracle. Jesus works with generations, not just with one person. When he takes hold of your family, everything changes. Amen? So I can see things happen. Now, let's see the, the practical outcome. This guy became a poster boy, a living proof of Jesus' life and ministry, and he became an evangelist. How do we know that for sure? Let's go two chapters ahead. After th This was in chapter 5. Look what happens in chapter 7. Verse 31 through 33. Let's go there. At Mark chapter 7, verse 31. Now remember, when Jesus came out of the boat, we have no evidence of a crowd when Jesus arrived in this place. It just says that a, a guy came running at his feet, and it was naked or whatever, and he came there. It didn't say there was a crowd, right? Uh, and they kicked him out. 
But then at the end of the verse 20, we see that he went around where? Decapolis, speaking and giving testimony to what Jesus had done. Jesus comes back two chapters later to Decapolis. Look what happened. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of Decapolis. There, some people brought him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd. So there was a crowd waiting on him. Now, we don't have evidence of this, but I think, like, how did the crowd get there? You know, like if this guy was telling about Jesus' miracle, I think what happened was that he stirred people up. Come see this guy, man. I, I was, you remember me? I was naked, running around, shouting every day, cutting myself. I, I slept inside of a tomb. This guy healed me. You got to see him, you know. So maybe this crowd came from this evangelist, you know. We see Jesus, that's, maybe that's why Jesus said, no, 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 don't come with me. Go home and tell what's going on. Because through that guy's life, a whole city was changed. A whole ten city was changed, you know. A whole crowd was stirred up. So sometimes you might be thinking, why is Jesus leaving me here? Why is Jesus sending me there? Certainly he has something going on for you. Now, before I came to England, everything was set for me to go to America. Everything was set. I didn't even know of Bradford. I didn't know this place even existed. You know, I never thought of living in England ever. You know, and everything was heading towards to, to the States. I had experience there. I had friends there. I had lived there. I grew up half of my life there. And I knew that God had something with me in an English speaking place because it's like I didn't learn English this well and study in English places to to just be in Brazil where we speak Portuguese. There's something God is doing and there's something in my heart. And I said, God, if this is not right, take it away from my heart. But it just kept getting stronger. So when everything went wrong, my father even got angry. Why are not, they not giving you the visa? You know, he was, he was angry because it didn't make any sense. And I told him, Dad, the only thing that makes sense is what we know. It's like, that's not where God wants me. We thought it was, but he has something else. And he's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Let's not kick the door open. You know, if God is not opening this door, something will work. And then when I come here to Bradford, we, we do the interviews. Everything just boom, 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 working quickly. And now I see it's like we are answer prayer to you as you are answer prayer to us. And God has me here with you and each of you in each place and Pastor Phil in the place we are living. And all the things that we're planning to do with this new building, the, the ministry, the kids ministry, uh, Real Hope, everything that's going on. Because I, everything I see here, I see God moving. I was with Nora this Thursday in, the, in, in uh, praying. Uh, Mark was there as well. Uh, Miss Pearson was there as well, and, so, and, and, her, and as we were praying, we could see like the passion, we, and I know God is answering prayers now. God, he's always answering prayers. He doesn't have a deaf ear when we speak to him, so he's listening. Like young, ma young people that are here, you may not know, but this lady here, she, she's praying fervently for you, and if she prays like that Thursday, I'm sure she prays that every day, because the, a person who prays like that is not once a week, you know, and obviously, she's not working anymore in the sense like full time. She's working at church. So she remembers she has time for you now to pray. And she's investing her life in that. And she believes that this generation, people paid a price for this. Where I'm not here today because I'm good. I'm not here because nobody did anything. You're here in a youth group. People paid a price for this. This church is here 130 years doing impactful ministry. Amen. 
So God has something that he's stirring up. And then we see this crowd gathered waiting on Jesus. So I know that Jesus is doing something. Who would have thought we have, uh, we have uh, a guy here, our friend from Afghanistan. I read, about, read the Bible one-on-one with him, a guy from Afghanistan. Where in Brazil would I have that chance? You know, who knows what God will do with you? You know, uh, where he's going to take you. He's got uh, an opening that I'm never going to have. You know, so we, we have to see what Jesus is, is trying to do through us. And the conclusion of all this is that we need to choose to see what no one is seeing. We need to see people through God's eyes, through his lens. Uh, we need to see opportunities in, in things we have. For example, we have a kids ministry that we're starting to work with, youth ministry. We, have, we don't have to see that as, oh, yeah, brigades, that used to work. I don't know about that anymore. If we come with that attitude, it's not going to work. But if we come like, this curriculum is really good. We can, why aren't we using this better? This is really amazing. We're having real hope every Friday and every Wednesday night. What can we do here? Obviously, you can't do everything, but you are specifically equipped for a specific place. And God will make you flourish there and make you see there. But we have to see situations as opportunities. We have to see things as God will see them. We have to see people beyond the cover, you know, beyond the outside. They may not look right. They may not look the best. They may not look like they're equipped for it, but that's usually who God chooses. All the disciples were wrong. None of us would have chosen them. <laughs> look what they did in the world. Because it's not them, it's the Holy Spirit in them. But they were transformed. What does it say when Jesus says you can't not pour new wine into old wineskin? What is that saying? All that's saying is that you cannot put a new mentality in old mentality. Because old mentality will tear if you try to do something in an old mentality. So what does God tell us about mentality? Renew your minds by my word. You know, you got to be changed by renewing your mind. So you can't be settled. Like, oh, we've always done it this way. I'm old. I'm going to die this way. It's like, no, 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 no. The word says we can be renewed by our minds. You know, and when I was with Nora, she really blessed my life because you might, what you might see is someone that's, oh, she's just a fragile old lady. She, you have no idea what's inside of this woman, you know, and the power of the spirit that's in her and the way she's been praying for us. And God is going to answer. God is answering. You know, things are happening. So a lot of times, you know, like I was like, man, I see why Christine is blessed. I see why Andrew is blessed because I know there's a lot of things in my life that I did nothing to deserve. It's just prayers from my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents that I'm reaping their, their fruit, you know. So, uh, Bruce, I don't know, like, what your, your descendant is, your descendants is. But imagine what their future descendants is going to have because of the men you've becoming. So, amazing things are coming. I just want to excite you and, and make you see things. Let's get out of here today when we, when we leave. And whatever it is, your situation at work hasn't changed. It's the same. Uh, you're, you know, it's like, well, I need a new husband. Bring the old one to church. God can do it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the situation is not going to change. Jesus never said, you're never going to have any trouble. Just accept me and life is great. No, no, he said, you're going to have trouble, but I'll be with you. Don't worry. I beat the world. I'm with you to the end of the day. I can do 
everything, you know, with man, things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. You can do everything and anything through my spirit that's in you. Jesus says we're going to do greater things than he's done. Why are we taking hold of this, you know? Uh, I see things around Bradford, and I see a lot of different things, and I see so much opportunity. It's like, God, we're gonna, you're going to move this place. And then when I saw, when I was praying with, with uh, Nora and the, the, the praying team, they're not praying just for us. They're not praying just for one thing. They're praying for the kids, the generation, for the Holy Spirit to move to brigades, for the Holy Spirit to move to the evening service, to the early service, to the everything for our city, you know. God is doing. Uh, you're saying, oh, but Europe has changed. It's not. We're still the same God. If I tell you some of the testimony I know from people here in Europe, you wouldn't believe it, you know. So I want to close with this just to encourage you. One of your own, Charles Spurgeon, he says, Many men owe, owe their grandeur, the grandeur of their lives, many men owe the grandeur of their lives to their tremendous difficulties. Who would David be without Goliath? <laughs> right? So maybe you're just seeing the giant, you're not seeing who you're going to become. That problem is going is gonna, is gonna to boost you to, to your destination where God is going to use you. And look what Isaiah says in Isaiah 41, verse 10. It says, do not fear, for I am with you. Can you say that to whoever's behind, beside you? Do not fear. Like you're, you're being God's mouth right now. Just say, do not fear, for I am with you. And you can also use this as double meaning. God is with you, but you are also with that person because we are family. So do not fear. God is with you. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with righteous, with my righteous right hand. So God will hold you up. And I want to pray for you uh, this evening for us to close. Uh, using just these two verses, Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably, immeasurably. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more then all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Look how much is on this verse. Pay attention. Now, to him who is able, who is able, God, to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Maybe we haven't been asking f as much as we should. Maybe our imagination has been limited by what we just see because we didn't have x-ray vision before. But God can do more than you can imagine. He's going to do more than what you see here. Do, all this, do we need all this building? No, we're not that big yet. No, is this a waste of money? It's like you have no idea what God's going to do. He's going to do more. You're imagining one thing. He's beyond. My thoughts are above yours. God, he, He's in a, a hurry because He didn't die just for us. You know, He died for all His family, <laughs> all His children. So he, he has, He's in a hurry, I think. So immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. So how is God going to do more than what we imagine? Through his power. Where is his power? In us. God will do in you, through you, and for his glory. But if you choose not to participate, he will do through and in someone else. But it will be done. <laughs> so let's participate because it's better, you know. Uh, and the last thing, the last verse, I just 
I just want you to close your eyes for a second for us to pray. If you could bow your head, I know there's a lot that we talked about, but just bow your head for a second as uh, as we'll pray. And I don't know, I mean, maybe you're here tonight, I don't know what your situation is, how you find yourself. Uh, but in Romans 10, 9 through 13, it says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I don't know what situation you find. I don't know if you're visiting here for the first time. I don't know if you've been coming to church, but you're not really sure of where you are, or how your faith is, or maybe you've even thought of, you know, making a prayer. I want to pray to God. I want God to come in my life. But I don't even know how to do that. Nobody's approached me. Nobody's taught me. Nobody's said anything. I don't know how to go about it. It's very simple. L listen, this is the Bible speaking. It says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it, it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between uh, Jew and Gentile. Or there is no difference between people that are in church and outside of church. The same Lord is Lord of all, richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What do you have to do? Call on the name of the Lord. That's it. So as we pray, if, if, uh, if you want to give your life to God, don't waste time. You know, do it this evening. This is your night. Maybe you weren't even expected to come tonight and you came. And this is your night. God is speaking to you. To you. So as I pray for everyone, if you, if you want to give your life to God, just raise your hand. No, uh, we'll just make a special prayer together for, with you. There's no magic. It's just the decision that you already made in your heart is what uh, will save you through Jesus' grace. What he's done is not what we do or what kind of prayer we pray. Okay. Uh, so as, as I, we close our eyes, I'm going to pray. And if there's anyone here that this is for, if you want to give your life to Jesus today, just raise your hand and we'll pray for you, okay? Uh, Father God, we give you praise and we give you glory for your word. We thank you that your word corrects us, it guides us. I thank you, Father, for bringing us to this church to have participation in a place that people are thinking outside the box. People are thinking about people. People are thinking of how we can serve, how we can do things better. We are not satisfied where we are, not because of us, but because we want to include more people. We want to do more for you. We want people to experience uh, the amazing life that it is to live by your side. So, Father, help us. Uh, allow us to participate in the things that you are doing. And we give you thanks for this place and for all the people that came before us. And Father, this evening, I don't know if anyone's here and they, they've been maybe going through this week thinking about it. Maybe they've, they've said, you know, Father, speak to me if you're real. Uh, uh, and they're feeling something different, something new, and they want to give their life to you. If that person is here, just as we have our eyes closed, just raise your hand and I'll, I'll pray for you specifically. Is there anyone, if anyone, just if you just raise your hand and put it back down, I'll know who you are. And as, as we give this opportunity, Father, we, we praise you for everything you're doing. And we ask that you will bless each and every one of these people tonight. Bless our, our friends, bless, bless our members, and let this word shake us up, Father. Let your word speak to us throughout the week so that we are active for you. Give us your, the way, uh, allow us to see things through your lens. Allow us to see people as you see them. Allow us to see people uh, uh, through your love, through your heart, and through what you've done. 
and help us to to look beyond ourselves and to to really to really really have compassion for people father uh, let your spirit speak through us use us and bless us this week in jesus name we pray amen I was really, really encouraged by that. Thank you, Lucas. Um, just tonight, I'm just getting that that reminder and that encouragement that our God really is alive and he is at work and he's going to do, do great things. Um, and it's a spiritual battle a lot of the time. And I know for myself, there's so many voices on a daily basis that are telling me that, um, you know, give up or to t to tells me that, nothing's going to come of me or, um, you know, those things I, I thought I saw in myself are not there or, um, you know, life's nothing special. And, it, and it's all lies. It's lies that the enemy feeds into us because he wants to make us um, inactive for God. And most of all, he wants us to disconnect us from God. And um, that's such a sad thing, such a such a destroying thing. But Jesus died to save us from that and to renew our minds and... Um, yeah, I'm just really blessed tonight by that encouragement, you know, that God sees something in all of us. And regardless of that, he doesn't he doesn't pick us because he sees something in us. He picks us because of his grace. But he does see things in us and he wants to do things in our lives. And he's got ministries for us and he's got things for us to do. Um, things we've never imagined, things we don't think about or things that we, we don't see now. And that's that is hope for us. That's something that we can look forward to in our lives. Um and that's that's amazing to me. So um, I'm I'm really encouraged and uplifted tonight. So we're just going to finish with a song. Um, the beautiful name of Jesus. Um, so if you'd like to stand, and we'll sing this together. Nothing compared. 
this week Lord bless us draw near to us help us to have clear minds renewed minds and a set hope in your in your promises and in your future and in your plan Lord we thank you so much for this night for one another and for you Lord we just praise you and we just want to thank you and, and glorify you and just express our love to you Lord we truly love you in Jesus name Amen so there's uh, tea and coffee, I believe. Hang around, chat, spend time together, pray together, whatever. Thank you. <laughs>